0: Wait a minute, why don't we turn to uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, Last week, uh, we considered the, the beauty of the Lord as an attribute of God. Beauty was defined as having everything desirable or beautiful. That there is nothing lacking from God. And that everything that God does is appealing or attractive. All that God's or excuse me, all of God's attributes are perfectly united together, which makes him altogether beautiful. This week I am not planning on continuing with the attributes of God, but wanted to highlight more of God's beauty. Uh, Particularly, what evidence is there of God's beauty? What has God done to show his beauty to mankind? What thing can we point to in proving that God is not lacking in anything, but has and does all things desirable? God does not have to show us his beauty. He's not obligated. But he did manifest his beauty in the gospel and particularly in the Son of God, in Jesus Christ himself. There are a lot of things that God has done that highlights his beauty. Again, we can look at creation, we can look all around us and see the glory of God and see how beautiful God's handiwork is. You know, once once we enter into eternity, we can also see the beauty of heaven and see God's wonderful creation in heaven, the the, the new earth, the new heavens and marvel at the beauty of God. But again, what is the centerpiece? The centerpiece is not how beautiful heaven is, but how beautiful the sun is, how beautiful God is. God is the centerpiece, the light in heaven. The gospel is the revelation of his beauty. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And in him is the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form. So if Jesus is the image of God, therefore Jesus is the image of beauty. If we see Jesus, we see God's beauty. God demonstrated his beauty by sending his son into this sin-twisted world to redeem us Ugly creatures. I mentioned last week in Psalm 149, 4, it says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. It says he will beautify the afflicted ones with salvation, which means that at one point we were not beautiful, right? But God takes us creatures fallen and twisted into sin, marred by sin, marred by greed and evil. And what does he do? He beautifies us with his salvation. So there are various aspects of the gospel that we could examine to highlight God's beauty, but I would like us to consider here in Colossians uh, chapter 2. So why don't we uh, read uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 8? See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy in empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, when you were dead, In your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. And particularly this morning, I would like to focus in on on verse 14 here. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross." So I think what's, what's important is first kind of one of the actually central pieces here uh, to understand is what is this certificate uh, of debt? What is Paul saying here when he's saying, mentioning this certificate? Well, again, a certificate of debt is, you know, a lot of us, especially adults, we, we understand what a promissory note is. Uh, it's a note of indebtedness. It means it's a note saying that you owe somebody something. In Paul's time, the idea was that it is something written in your hand and thus obligating you to fulfill. So meaning that if I'm going to borrow money from you, I would actually hand write it out and I would hand it to you. And so you had a handwritten note from me saying that I will pay you back. So thus me writing it in my own hands, I am obligating myself and I am placing myself in indebtedness to this person, and again, as as adults, we understand this through promissory notes. again, my history in, in banking, you know if somebody were to to get a loan uh, to, to go and to buy a house or to buy a car, what do you do? Well, thankfully, we don 't have to write it out by hand anymore uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's all electronic now, but what do you do though what's required? It requires a signature, right The stamp from you saying, "I agree to these terms." I agree to this term of repayment that I am going to repay this. And and here I am signing my name to this, agreeing to this. So this is what a a certificate of debt is. So we, we kind of understand financially what that means. But do you understand also that when you sin, you create a debt? When you sin, you owe a debt to God and... To men, you owe the person to make it right. I mean, again, as parents, I think that we we should understand this principle. Right? If your child uh, sins against somebody else, what do you say? You owe them an apology. You need to apologize, and you need to make it right. You need to try as best as you can to make this right. What you did wrong, and we can see this all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament. Right, If I had an animal that gouged your animal, what did I have to do? I have to repay that. I have to restore that. It's constantly this, this idea of if something wrong happened, in some ways, even if it's not entirely your fault, again, if it's you know, your animal, it's still, in some ways, your responsibility. And therefore, you need to make restitution. You need to pay this back. And even in the New Testament, here in, in Matthew five twenty three, it says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law, While you are with him on the way, so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. So again, the idea is here is also, you sinned against a brother, you realize what you did, what do you owe? You owe to go to that person and to be reconciled, and to try as hard as you can to reconcile that relationship, to restore that relationship. But see, the thing is, it's, it's one thing to owe a debt to another person or even an institution like a bank. But it's entirely different to owe a debt to God. For God to be holy and just, every debt must be paid. So, what is on this certificate of debt? Okay, so we again we understand that it's this in, indebtedness, you know, this, this statement saying that I owe. I owe somebody. Well, what's on this here? Well, again, he says here what? This certificate of debts consisting of decrees against us. So decree is like a a statement laid down by an authority regarding a fundamental truth in a way that it is impossible to doubt because of it being obviously true. So another way to say that is this decree declares the truth about who you really are. And it has enough evidence to prove that you are obviously in the fault. So what's on this certificate of debts? These decrees made against you. See God knows all things. Right? God is all-knowing. Nothing is hidden from him. God remembers all things. God is not forgetful. All things are stored up for God. God knows every single thing. All hearts will be laid bare before him. And that is a troubling thought. That means the secrets of your heart will be fully revealed before God. Nothing is hidden. Again, we can think of Adam and Eve, right? What were they trying to do? They were trying to hide themselves in the garden, and they couldn't, could they? They they couldn't hide themselves. It's foolish to try to hide yourself. You can't hide yourself from God. You can't hide your sin from God. We have forgotten most of our sins, but there is a certificate of debt that keeps track and keeps increasing. Over time, our debt grows to God. So again, as we grow older and continuing in our life of sin, it's as if this flood is rising up against us in the certificate of debt. When we sin, it's as if it goes on our personal record with God permanently. Again, because God never forgets. Time cannot even erase your sin. I did that a long time ago, and that's no longer on my record. That's not true. Again, everything that we do will be laid bare before God. Again, everything that we do will permanently stay on our record until it is made right. And again, until it's made right. So what what does Paul say here about these decrees it says these decrees, uh, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. So these decrees that are listed on this certificate of debt because of my sin creating this, it's like an enemy to me. It's an adversary. It's against us. Again, hostile. The law of God and the law written on our hearts are actively testifying against us. Everyone here knows at least some of God's laws and, and, and knows what's right to do. And yet what? By our nature, sinful nature, we don't do what is right. And therefore creating even more decrees against us. All of, our, all of us are commanded to love God just as christ has loved we are to love god with all of our heart soul mind and strength so again how how are, how are we compared to that are we fulfilling that well no we know that we're not and these decrees are coming against us when we think of hostility we might think that we are in the right and that others have come against us unrighteously but that's not the case These decrees against us are fully right. They are the right. They're the ones in the right, and I am the one in the wrong. So again, this flood, this enemy coming against me because of what I have done, and it's rightfully so, it's obviously true, what I have done is wrong. God consistently has shown love and mercy to all people yet by our actions we have gone against him what do you think of an animal when it bites the hand of an owner what do you do with an animal like that what if you do maybe the first time you might have mercy on it but what if it continues to do that what do you do you might have to put it down we have consistently bit the hands of god do, do you see that God consistently showing mercy and love to each and every one of us, allowing rain to come down upon us, providing us food and shelter, and again, this consistent mercy and love of God. And yet, what have we done? We've gone against God, and we have bitten his hand. So do you see that we deserve this hostility from God? We have an unbreakable testimony against us, No reasoning or excuse will wipe away the accusations. So the problem is that we have a dilemma. How do we pay back a single debt to God? A debt to God is not like a penny. It's not like this small debt. And really, it's not even like a mortgage, even several hundred thousand dollars. We can't even compare it to that. Our sin creates a debt that cannot be paid outside of a perfect payment by a perfect person. Any payment we could try to make would fall short because we have already fallen short of the perfection of God. Isaiah four six says, For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a filthy garment. So any attempts that we could even try to make in satisfying this debt is like a filthy garment before God. So this debt is unpayable by your attempts. We have sinned against God, and we rightly deserve to pay this debt eternally in hell. There is no actually satisfaction, or there is actually no satisfying this debt, even after ages in hell, because the debt is against an infinitely righteous God. So why why is hell eternal? Why is hell continuing? Hell never ceases. Why? Because it's sin against an infinite God. So there's no actually paying back of sin in hell. There's no actual true satisfaction satisfying this debt that we owe God in hell. Have we no hope? Yes, <laughs> there is hope. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What? What does it say here? Having what? Having canceled. Jesus canceled this infinite debt. This word cancel means to completely wipe out or to obliterate writing on a material. That's how, that's how it was used. Uh, in Acts uh, 3.19, it says, Therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away, canceled, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In Revelation three five, it says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will not cancel his name, I will not wipe out his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. See ancient writers they would use like animal skins, you know, for for paper. And their, their ink did not have like any type of acid on it, and so it actually wouldn't really like stick to the paper. And so they could actually take a sponge and wipe off the ink. And that's what like, this word is here. It's like wiping it clean, uh, erasing it, canceling it out. Jesus has canceled or wiped away the entire certificate of debt. Not just one sin, or even just a partial payment. Again, how can again, we have to think about this. The, the perfection of Jesus' sacrifice. It's, it's not that Jesus' sacrifice was just perfect enough to satisfy one debt, but his sacrifice was perfect enough to satisfy all my debt, all of my sins, and not just my sins, but who else? all the sins of all believers. Like, what, what a payment. Like, how, how can we weigh out this payment that Christ made on our behalf? Again, it's an infinite payment from an infinite God in, in the Son. One of the last words of Jesus was, it is finished, right? What is that word? die? and what does that mean? Paid in full. Again, almost like using this banking language here. On the cross, and it seems kind of strange in some ways. Why would Jesus say, like go up there and say, paid in full? Well, he finished it off. It is finished. It is completely paid in full, not paid in part. So we, we in ourselves, and of ourselves, are completely bankrupt. What does bankruptcy mean? Again, that means that you have a debt that you cannot pay. And you try to seek help to, to, to get relief out of that. And, and, and here on earth, you know, we do have bankruptcy laws to assist in that. But there's no, you can't file for bankruptcy and get any type of relief from this debt outside of the person of Christ. We are unable to pay this debt on our own. And what has Jesus done? Again, it says, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way. John one twenty nine says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So we have this action here. Jesus took something away from you. What is Paul saying? Jesus took this certificate of debt against you, and He has tooken, taken it away from you. This word "takes" or "has taken" is it's it's a uh, it's called a perfect tense. Okay, it's an action completed at a specific point in time in the past, with the results of it continuing into the present. Okay, so you have like this dot. So if you can imagine with me. This this dot, something happened in the past. And then you have this line with an arrow at the end of it. Something happened in in the past with the effects going all the way until Christ comes again. His one action has created an effect that stretches all the way till he returns. What an action. What what a what a ripple that Jesus created. Well, again, we have to think about how. How did he do this? Well, what does it say? What does Paul say here? Jesus took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. This one action, again, Jesus died once. He died on the cross once. Jesus is not continually dying for us. This one action that Christ made permanently took the certificate of debt out of the way. God took the son and nailed him to the cross along with our debt. This perfect and spotless lamb died on our behalf. The one who had no debt took the debt on himself and paid it in full. Isaiah forty four twenty two says, I have wiped out, or again that idea of cancel, erase, I have wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud, and your sins like a heavy mist. So what is God comparing your sins to? A thick cloud. Not a thin cloud. <laughs> a thick cloud. So you gotta get this picture of this really thick cloud and and God coming in. And clearing it out, wiping it away, this thick fog, and and the sun piercing through and shedding the fog away. So the question is, though, is are you believing in the payment that Christ has made on your behalf? Or are you still holding on to your debt? Because again, there is a debt. And and you you have sinned, and we all can acknowledge that you've failed. So, are you holding on to this debt? Isaiah 55 1 says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat, come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. If you're still holding on to this debt of yours, come, forsake your sins. Jesus says you need to repent. You need to forsake your sins. You need to turn away from your sins and live a life of repentance. And believe, place your faith upon him. Believing on this payment that Christ has made on your behalf. And again, what does he say? Come without money. I will pay this for you. Again, if you try to go and and try to You know, Christ's paying 99 and I'm paying 1. That's filthy before God. Again, all of our acts are like, like filthy rags before God. You cannot even pay a fraction of this debt. It has to be all or nothing. It has to be all on Christ. God is beautiful. And he has proved that by offering you salvation through the sacrifice of his Son. And don't reject that. For the believer, do you understand that your debt has been paid? There is nothing left. Take all the sins that you have committed, knowingly and unknowingly, take all the sins that you will commit in the future, and again, let, let us imagine these sins being written on this whiteboard, if we, if we could have a whiteboard here that, that could fit all of the decrees against you, all of your sins and this debt, labeling here, what do you owe God? If we could have this whiteboard up here, what happened? Christ came and did what? He erased it. So we kind of have that idea with these whiteboards. You can kind of erase it. It's not perfect because sometimes it still leaves little marks. But not with, not with Christ. Christ completely wipes and erases it. Isaiah forty three twenty five says, I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. So again, when Christ comes and when he takes your sins and he wipes them out, what does he say? I'm not going to remember them. So again, there's not going to be these little fractions or a little piece left over, a little left of your debt left over for you yet to pay. No. He says, I will wipe away all your transgressions. I have taken away the full certificate of debt consisting of all of these decrees against you. I have taken it away. And what makes this special is that it comes with authority, right? Right? If I told your bank that your loan was canceled, that would really mean nothing. Because I don't have that authority. However, if they declared that it has been canceled, you would be set free from that debt. So what does that verse say? I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions. So the one whom we have sinned against, the one whom we owe this infinite debt, is the one who says, I will wipe away all your transgressions. So again, it comes with authority, with finality. It's done. It's finished. It's paid. When, not if, Satan comes and accuses you of sin, you can point to the certificate of debt with a stamp saying, paid by the blood of Christ. So again, you're going to have these accusations, these, these accusations of sin against you, that you're a failure, that you've sinned in this way. And I think this was Spurgeon. I couldn't find the quote. But I think Spurgeon once said to embrace these accusations and say, you know, Satan, you're right. I am a failure. But praise the Lord, Jesus has paid all of my sins. So we have no sin debt left. We no longer, as Christians, if you have placed your faith in Christ and believe on him, we have no debt left to pay. It is completely taken away. And it's not just simply that this debt has been taken away. What does he say in Second Corinthians 5.21? He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So not only do you have this whiteboard with Christ coming and erasing all of it, he's actually writing in righteousness. So that when God looks at you, what does he see? He's not going to see those sins. He's not going to see all of these decrees that are no longer hostile to you. Because Christ took care of that. And again, what does that verse say after that? When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, Christ came and disarmed these decrees against you he totally disarmed them they no longer have weapons against you because Christ has erased god Christ has taken away this certificate of debt against you lastly is do you live like Christ has died for you Christ was nailed to the cross because of your sins don't consider sin to be trite or insignificant. The most insignificant sin would still require the perfect sacrifice of Christ. So what what could we think of as far as like this insignificant sin, a little lie or a little this or that, that that little sin still requires and, and still creates an infinite debt. Okay? And and, and so therefore requiring this infinite purchase from Christ, this payment from Christ. First Peter 2.24 says, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. So again, Peter, and actually kind of going back to the, to the Old Testament and kind of very similarities there in, in Isaiah, but what, what is he pointing to? By his wounds, you were healed. And so he's drawing attention to you, saying, let's look at his wounds. What what his wounds created here was our sin. Our sin created his wounds. By his wounds, we are healed. Therefore, let us die to sin. We are dead to sin. As Paul says in Romans 6, our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died is freed from sin brothers if if you are a christian you are dead to sin you no longer have to entertain sin you're no longer slaves of sin again christ has come and set you free so that we can have freedom in christ and we need to think about this that sin is serious We cannot think lightly of sin, but we need to deal with it again because our Savior, our beautiful Savior, came and laid down his life for us. By his wounds, he has saved us. We can celebrate that our sins have been forgiven, but we cannot let our hands grow slack in dealing with sin. You have been set free from the power of sin through Christ. And again, we can put to death the desires of the flesh by walking in the Spirit. So kind of in summary here, again, sin creates debt. And this debt is not just against men, but against God. And all debt has to be paid for. How can this debt be paid for? Again, against a holy and righteous and infinite God. It cannot be paid, because we are not infinite. We are finite. And all of our actions are already tarred. They are already stained. And all of our actions, again, are like these filthy rags. It is impossible to please God, again, because of our actions. But again, we have hope, and you can have hope, through Christ, because again, Christ has taken away the certificate of debt against us. But you do need to believe. You need to believe on Christ and take and believe in this payment, that this payment satisfies and can satisfy this debt against God. So that when God looks at you, again, he sees the person of Christ. He sees the very righteousness of Christ. So again, hopefully able to see some of the beauty of God. Is God all desirable? Does God have all things and out of everything that flows from God, is God beautiful? Is he attractive? Yes. Again, how can we prove this? What can we look to? Again, look to the person of Christ. And particularly this great example of Christ coming and dying on the cross for us. Well, we pray once more here. Lord, I think of that song, O oh Lord, you're beautiful. And Lord, we, we proclaim that, Lord, we, we can see um, because again we've had our eyes open by your mercy. Lord, thank you for, for coming. Thank you for sending your son. And for taking away this certificate, this promissory note, this this debt that we have against you, again, against this infinite and holy God. Our hands were tied. And again, all of these enemies coming against us and, and having right accusations, and, 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 and they would stand. But yet you, out of your mercy, provided Christ and provided that that he would be able to take away our sin, to be able to take away this debt that we owe you. Lord, we thank you for that. And again, Lord, I I pray, I plead for those that are lost, that they would come and that they would uh, believe, repent, and forsake their sins, forsake all attempts at trying to be righteous, really, in, in their own strength. And that they would see Christ and would forsake what they have and cling to Him. So Lord, we, we pray for mercy. Again, Lord, we, we know that it's by your Spirit. So Lord, we ask for that. Lord, pray for us as, as believers. Lord, help us to walk in the newness of life. Lord, help us to walk believing that our sins are forgiven. Help us not to be walking in this in in, in these accusations which we don't have to live in, because again. Our sins are forgiven. They're paid in full. And we have a right relationship with you. So Lord, pray that you would help us as we go on, help us as we have our time of fellowship. Lord, that you would meet with us and encourage us. Amen.